نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا ما يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الكلام كلام الله واحسن الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار وبعد ندير اخوان with this uh, the 15th or the 16th 15th today of December uh, and with the period of festivity now upon our doorstep in no doubt uh, befits ikhwan uh, such a closeness to this season that we discuss something from its origin particularly since it is unfortunate that many of the muslimun have entered into celebrating it alongside those who we live in close proximity to or at the very least enter into uh giving them the salutations of the season and of the festive season uh and uh wishing those who are around us a merry christmas and what have you that ikhwan is something that we must uh understand has an origin that if we understand its origin and understand its asl then uh the ugly nature of doing so is something that becomes clearer and clearer uh when one reflects upon the origin and the usul ikhwan and the uh asl of some of these festivities and some of these celebrations it is something that causes us to thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that which allah azza wa jalla has blessed this ummah with ulama ajilla scholars ikhwan that protect and defend the sunnah those who are no doubt bastions of the sunnah vanguards of salafia and protectors ayyuhal ikhwa of the methodology of the earliest of generations defenders of the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam ikhwan and those who on the basis of their courage and on the basis of their thabat and on the on the basis ikhwan of their rujula and them being men ikhwan in the a most complete sense they bihamdillah by way of them allah azza wa jalla protects this methodology and protects this deen allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised the protection of his kitab and similarly as our scholars mentioned uh the sunnah its explanation has and falls within the promise of its protection that indeed allah azza wa jalla mentions we have nazalna dhikr wa inna lahu lahafizun we are we have revealed the reminder and we are going to protect it we indeed are its protectors and that necessitates protector of the reminder and protector of that which is the explanation of the reminder the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam where in the messenger allah uh, allah sent the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam to explain the quran that allah azza mentioned from the mission of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that the messenger alayhi salatu wasallam is the explainer of the quran wanazalna ilayka dhikr litubayyana linnasi ma nuzila ilayhim that we have sent to you the reminder that you muhammad may explain to the people that which was revealed to them and thus the sunnah ikhwan is a protection and an explainer of one an explainer of that which is present within the quran the messenger sallallahu explained that which was present in the quran in action in statement and likewise in tacit and silent approval nas li sunna ikhwan that which has come from the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam that which the scholars of the hadith uh, scholars of hadith define 
أزما أثر عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من قول أو فعل أو تقرير أو صفة خلقية أو خلقية that which has come from the messenger from statement or from action from silent, silent approval or from characteristic يعني of the messenger خلقية that is how he was physically Allah عز وجل created him and خلقية how he and his mannerisms were uh, uh, those and all of that which has occurred or has come to us has come to us ikhwanan is part and parcel of this explanation of the book of Allah Azza wa Jal then the sahaba ridwan Allah alayhim that which they understood from the, that which the messenger was given in the kitab and in the sunnah laid down for us the methodology laid down for us the framework by way of which we understand the deen and the framework by way of which we approach dealing with others. And that, ayyuhal ikhwa, is the methodology that our scholars remain upon today. And thus, ikhwan, that which we see our scholars upon, and that which is considered from the usul and the foundations and the fundamentals of our methodology, has no doubt its origin in that which has come to us from the book and from the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah as understood by the Salaf of this Ummah, the Sahaba Ridwan Allah The fact that that is protected, the fact that we have ulama and scholars, ikhwan, that continue to protect that and convey that to this Ummah is wallahi a great ni'mah. And when one analyzes that which has occurred in and among Christendom and with Judaism likewise, uh, you will see, ikhwan, the difference in terms of the ni'mah uh, between that which Allah Azza wa Jal has given to us and that which occurred to those umam and those previous nations. And thus, ikhwan, when we see and when we hear of principles in our methodology that our scholars speak of, and now many of the people may see some of the issues that are discussed as irrelevant or as minor or as issues that are, yani, we shouldn't be making such a great deal about it. Or... Issues that, yeah, somebody made a mistake in it, but yeah, subhanAllah, come on. Statements that we hear, which only, ikhwan, which do nothing except highlight the evils of jahl and the evils of ignorance. Not only ignorance concerning the methodology and the manhaj, but ignorance concerning how not having that methodology uh, can lead, ikhwan, and has led historically uh, to the complete destruction of a religion or religions, all of them, ikhwan, being religions that no doubt came or were given to each and every one of the prophets, all of them ultimately being manifestations of Islam in, the, in that, their time. And so, ikhwan, the methodology, when we hear of it, when we hear of the sunnah, and when we hear about the methodology of the salaf of this ummah, and when we hear about salafiyyah, we should not look upon it as though it is a light affair, a simple affair. You should understand that this is ikhwan, the framework by way of which the deen of Allah is protected. And it is not protected, ayyuhal ikhwan. And let us, let us be clear. It is not protected, ikhwan, except that it is implemented. If it is not implemented, then it is lost. It is all good and well, ikhwan, we speak about the sunnah and the, the fadl of this methodology and our manhaj but if the methodology and the manhaj is spoken about and not implemented then it will be lost and its implementation ikhwan requires rijal it requires men and that is among the males and females it requires rijal as imam zuhri rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned concerning ilm al-hadith the likes of which, Ikhwan, our methodology is likewise based or has its uh, uh, origins within the same science that was developed for the protection of the sunnah and the protection of hadith. Imam Zuhri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned, علم الرجال ذكر يحبه الذكور من الرجال ويكرهه إناثهم He said that the knowledge of Rijal and the knowledge of hadith, the science of Rijal and the narrators and so on, is a male. It is a dhakar, a male. Yuhibbuhudhukuru min rijal. It is loved by the males among the men. Wa inathum. 
and it is disliked and hated by the effeminate ones. And that, ayyuhal ikhwa, is because of the fact that this methodology requires rujula. It requires some manhood and some courage. And it, re it requires lions to defend it, to protect it, and uh, to make it manifest. Because of the fact that it requires opposing the people, oftentimes. And oftentimes, ikhwan, most people dislike to do so. Most people just want to get on with everybody and hope that everybody loves them. And that, ikhwan, as it relates to the methodology of the Salaf of this Ummah, it is uh, yani inevitable. That the one who, who, who puts it into practice is going to have people who are not going to like him, are going to stand against him. And it is the desire to be loved by everyone that has created historically a problem, not only Ikhwan, for individuals who affiliate themselves with the deen of Islam and with the ummah of Muhammad Wasallam, but with the previous umam and the previous nations that have come uh, prior to the coming of the messenger Wasallam. And that is something that we see Ikhwan as it relates to the affair of Christmas. The celebration of Christmas it's claimed let's move on to the topic it is claimed that Christmas and its celebration revolves around the birthday or the celebration of the birthday of Isa ibn Maryam of Jesus the son of Mary uh, and oftentimes as we grew in school uh, and as we became adults that is what we grew upon understanding that it was a celebration yeah, and Christmas, December the 25th, is a celebration of the birth uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, that, uh, in actuality, Ikhwan, is uh, yeah, it's, uh, something of a misnomer uh, in essence. Jesus Christ, Isa ibn Maryam, as far as the date of his birth is concerned, then even Ikhwan scholars among or within Christendom differ concerning the date of the birth of Isa ibn Maryam and, and there is uh, quite strong difference concerning when he, is, when he was born number one Ikhwan as far as the Bible itself is concerned there is very little in the Bible concerning uh, the youth uh, and the uh, childhood of Isa the childhood of Isa has very little mention within the Bible uh, in fact, Ikhwan, we have, alhamdulillah, in the Qur'an, uh, that which uh, supersedes the Bible in terms of uh, knowledge concerning or information concerning uh, the childhood uh, uh, of Isa ibn Maryam. For example, uh, in the Qur'an, we have that which Allah informs us concerning the birth of Isa ibn Maryam after Mary gave birth to Isa ibn Maryam. And she brought him to the people, in front of the people. And they said, Ya Ukhta Harun, ma kana abukim ra'asawin wa ma kanat ummuki baghiya. They said, Oh, Ukht, or sister of Harun. Or sister of Harun. Some mentioned that she was referred to as the sister of Harun because of the fact that uh, Musa and Harun, they had a sister called Maryam. Not that uh, they were she was literally the sister of Harun, but that Musa and Harun they had a sister called Maryam or some hold uh, that, they, uh, that she was referred to as Ukhta Harun because her lineage uh, stems back to Harun in any case they said Ya Ukhta Harun ma kana abu your father was not an evil man and your mother neither was she a lewd woman and so uh, Allah Azza wa Jal informs us that فأشارت إليه and so she pointed towards him. فأشارت إليه She pointed towards him. And so they said, كيف نكلم من كان في المهدي صبيا? How are we going to speak to one who is a child in the cradle? And so Isa ibn Maryam, he said, إني عبد الله أتاني الكتاب وجعلني نبيا he said that indeed I am the servant of Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal has given me the book and has made me a Nabi. And that, Ikhwan, is something that is not present within the Bible. There is no 
record within the Bible whatsoever of Isa ibn Maryam speaking as a child in the cradle. That is something that we have, alhamdulillah, in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is not present with them in their scripture. And so as far as the early stage of uh, the childhood of Jesus and of Isa, there is very little in the Bible, ikhwan, in that regard. In fact, uh, from the earliest of the scriptures, which is the book of Mark, uh, uh, the earliest of the scriptures, the book of Mark, ikhwan, was written some 65 or so years after the ascent of Isa ibn Maryam, though it is from the earliest of the books. And in essence, it speaks about the adulthood of Isa ibn Maryam. It speaks about him as an adult. And so there is very little, ikhwan, even in the earliest of the books that are, are present or that are attributed to uh, the record of Isa ibn Maryam, there is little that is present within, within it, even the earliest of them, there is little that is present within it from or concerning his childhood. And, now, and thus, ikhwan, on the basis of that, we see that within Christian them, there is great difference concerning uh, the fact that he was born on the first year CE. Some attribute or some make that mention, but in terms of a scholastic return back to or a study of when he was actually born, then some differ concerning that, and they do not hold, many of uh, the scholars of, within Christendom do not hold that Isa ibn Maryam was born in the first year Christian era. Some hold that he was born some three or four years earlier than uh, many within Christendom actually claim. Uh, as far as the birthday then of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, of Isa ibn Maryam, then as we mentioned, Ikhwan, within Christendom itself, there is much, uh, fra, much of a difference of opinion concerning when he was born. Some hold that he was born in November, uh, and you know, they give dates uh, in relation to that, saying that it wasn't actually uh, the 25th of December, but it was a day in November. Others hold that he was born in September, uh, and some go back as early in the year as March, which is a date that was held by some within Christendom, the 28th of March, they claim. He was actually born when one, uh, yeah, and he calculates uh, the, his birth, or when his age, when he uh, was taken, uh, and then counts backwards and so on. Yeah, and the, uh, uh, the dates that, that are given differ greatly. In fact, there is no one within yeah, any Christian, uh, or among Christian scholars, that hold that he was born on the 25th of December. And so the date itself that is attributed to his birthday, there is no one among the scholars of Christendom that hold that he was born on the 25th of December. So where did the date and where did the 25th of December come from? The 25th of December, Ikhwan, is and was the final day of a pagan festival known as Saturnalia. Saturnalia was a pagan festival, Ikhwan, that was celebrated by the Roman pagans in, in and among the Roman Empire. Uh, and it was the day that they consider the beginning or the birth of the new sun. It was a festival known, or that the few period that was celebrated within that period or that time, was a festival known as, as solstice. Solstice, as, as we mentioned, was a festival that celebrates the birth of the new sun. What they say is that the days throughout the year continue to get uh, shorter and shorter and shorter. And then around that period, the 22nd or so of December, in fact, the celebration began from the 17th. It was an eight-day celebration from the 17th of December and ended upon the 25th. They say that that celebrates the beginning of the new sun because they claim that the days from that time onwards or that point onwards begin to get longer. And so that is within the year, the time that the sun refreshes itself, if you like, uh, and they refer to it as the time or the, uh, uh, the period of the birth of the uh, unconquered sun, the unconquered sun. And so it was, and it revolves around the worship
of the sun and giving uh, or granting station and honor to the sun and something that uh, the pagans or oh, was very yeah, and he, uh, was uh, rife in and among pagan practices. The 25th then was a period of celebration among the pagans. And we should know that during the same time, Ikhwan, there was a, 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 a terrible celebration, a terrible festival that the pagans likewise used to celebrate known as Juvenalia. Juvenalia fell at the same time as Saturnalia. And Juvenalia was a, well, it was a celebration of youth. During that period, uh, there, were, there was nothing but debauchery uh, and evil and rife pedophilia that they would have relations with minors. And that was part of the celebration of Juvenalia. Saturnalia was not much different. Yeah, any debauchery, drunkenness, uh, and yeah, any illicit sexual practices throughout the whole of the eight days. And they would have an individual, uh, uh, yeah, and they would go in and around the, uh, yeah, the townships, and they would, they would pass a judgment upon an individual that they considered the worst of the Roman society at that time. And he would be, yeah, and he brought in front of the people that he would be chained and fettered. And they would slowly torture him throughout the eight days of Saturnalia. And the, the, torture, the torturing was, was yeah, and heinous, a gruesome torturing, where they would remove limbs slowly, remove his skin, yeah, and he remove his eyes, slowly throughout the eight days. And then on the eighth day, they would ultimately slaughter him and kill him. And that was uh, part of the uh, human sacrifice that used to take place during uh, the period or during the celebration uh, of Saturnalia. Saturnalia then, Ikhwan, in and of itself, was a pagan festival. It was celebrated by the pagans uh, and it returned and revolved around the sun. How then did it become the day that the birth of Isa ibn Maryam was present or was celebrated upon? Uh, in and among the Roman Empire, in an attempt to bring pagans into Christianity, they saw that this festival of Saturnalia was one of the major festivals throughout the year. And it was something that for many pagans, if we, for us to change our way and change our religion, if it meant leaving alone Saturnalia, abandoning Saturnalia, then we would never change our religion to anything else. If it means leaving alone and abandoning Saturnalia, because of the station of Saturnalia among them. And so the Roman Empire, and, uh, yeah, and some of the, uh, uh, the uh, high priests within the Roman Empire, they saw that since it is something that these pagans are not going to let go of, and since it is such a deep-rooted heathen practice, let us incorporate it or allow them to incorporate it into Christianity. But instead of it being the celebration of the birth of the new son, let it be the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And so in, in, uh, this is something that individuals from among them who have some knowledge they will say and they may agree that actually we agree that Isa wasn't born uh, uh, during the time or during a period uh, of or during the time of the 25th of December there is much by way of biblical text that indicate that he was born close to harvest time which wouldn't have been in December anyway which was winter and so they agree some who have some knowledge will agree with you that we agree 25th of December wasn't and couldn't be, couldn't have been the birth or the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. But it is the day, they will say, it is the day that we celebrate his birth. And not that we say that it is the day that he was born, but it is the day that we celebrate his birth. So, for example, if we were to say, 
Let us take the 20th of January as a day that we celebrate the birth of Muhammad Not that we're saying that the 20th of January was his day of birth, just that we use this day as a day of celebration for him coming into the world. So we celebrate his life. And we celebrate the fact that God sent him and Allah sent him to us on that day. And so those who have some knowledge will say to you, I agree it isn't the day that Jesus could have been born, but it is the day that we celebrate him coming into the world, which in actuality has its origin in Saturnalia, which was a practice, as we mentioned, uh, of them celebrating the birth of the new son. And so instead of getting rid of Saturnalia and letting those pagans know that, listen, if you're going to become or enter into this religion, then you have to abandon your heathen practices. Instead of doing so, they said, Khalas, leave them, let them celebrate it. They can continue to do as they were doing. But instead of uh, the practice, or instead of it being the, the celebration of the sun, let it be the celebration of the coming of Jesus Christ, of Isa ibn Maryam, into our world. And that is how, Ikhwan, the celebration of Christmas, uh, how it began or how it was established on the 25th of December. Uh, on the basis of that, and the reason we make mention of this, Ikhwan, and there's much that can be mentioned historically concerning it. The reason we make mention of that is because of the fact, Ikhwan, that we see the same traits creeping into our deen and creeping into this ummah. First and foremost, the celebration of Isa ibn Maryam was not something that was even known, or the, of the birthday of Isa ibn Maryam was not something that was known in early Christendom. For if it were known, then the date of the birth of Isa ibn Maryam would have, been, would have continued to have been recorded and known if it was something that were practiced. There wouldn't be difference concerning when he was born. Because if it was a practice celebrating the birth, celebrating birthdays, if it was a practice even among them, then they would have known the day of his birthday. And similarly, Ikhwan, in our ummah and with our uh, deen, the celebration of birthdays is not something that we have any or that anyone has any evidence for. Not the birthday of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or the birthday of any individual ikhwan from among the human beings. Yet still we have and we see how the Messenger وسلم, he mentioned that if one of us or one of them were to enter a lizard's hole, there would be somebody from my ummah that would follow them into that. And that ayyuhal ikhwa indicates clearly the importance of clinging to that which Allah Azza has given us and not being lackadaisical in that regard. And not being easygoing in regards to it. So as far as the 25th then of December being celebrated as the birth of Isa ibn Maryam, as we mentioned, Ikhwan, its origin returns back to these pagan. And everything else, everything else that we see throughout the celebration of Christmas has its origin in, those, in that pagan festival. An example of that is during Saturnalia, Individuals would, would walk in groups, naked. They would go from door to door. And in a naked state, they would knock doors and they would sing songs, naked. During the eight-day festival, there was no law. So all of the courts, the Roman courts would close because it was eight days of not only debauchery and... Yani, uh, uh, drunkenness and what have you but even law even the law courts would shut down because no one would be prosecuted for doing anything lawless on that day or anything against the law unlawful on that day or throughout the 8 day festivities and so individuals if you murdered during Saturnalia you wouldn't be taken to account similarly in, in this uh, in this, this carnival of debauchery and lewdness, women would be raped. All part of Saturnalia, particularly on the 25th. And even though Ikhwan, those practices were, or they, they, they uh, were removed slowly but surely, 
up until the 18th century in Europe, for a man to take a woman and have lewd and illicit practices with her was something that was accepted up until the 18th century. Relatively recently, the practice then of kissing under the mistletoe that we see being or continuing to uh, manifest itself during Christmas time returns back again, Ikhwan, uh, to uh, a uh, 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 يعني, pagan practice, which in actuality uh, was and returns back to Norse, Norse uh, mythology, which was a pagan mythology that revolved around a particular god uh, that was known among the pagans as Balda, who was killed by his enemy using mistletoe. Because mistletoe, Ikhwan, uh, is very toxic. And mistletoe, it is, it is actually poisonous. Uh, and you'll be told, even if you buy mistletoe now, not encouraging any of your brothers to buy any mistletoe for any reason whatsoever, but if you were to buy mistletoe now, you'll be told, be careful with it because you know it's very dangerous. Mistletoe is actually very toxic. Uh, and in the uh, mythology of the Druids, who were the pagans who were present here in England even, uh, they held that a god known as Boulder, uh, uh he was killed using an arrow that, was poison or had upon it poisonous mistletoe uh, that uh, uh, on the basis of it uh, he was killed uh, and that no doubt uh, was uh, because of him or uh, his enemy a god known as Hada that they were fighting over a female and it was mistletoe that was used to kill that, uh, that um, uh, god within their mythology uh, Boulder, it was poisonous mistletoe that was used to kill it because it is woman. And so when they incorporated, again, when they incorporated paganism into Christian Christianity and allowed it to come in because of these pagans who were already practicing that, the belief that revolved around mistletoe and that which is related to lewdness was incorporated into Christian uh, uh, Christmas practices and Christmas celebrations. And so we have this affair of kissing under the mistletoe. Similarly, uh, as far as the uh, yeah, any other as aspects and practices within uh, during Christmas, we have uh, another yeah, any practice, uh, and that is on top of the, the carol singing, which has its origin in this going door-to-door -door naked uh, and singing, uh, and raping women and what have you, that became carol singing, which, yani, this practice was similar, going door to door, singing in a group, and trying to encourage people to join uh, uh, them as a group, singing those songs that were related to the festivity. Similarly, we have that which is related to the worship of the Christmas tree. Again, uh, a practice, Ikhwan, that uh, was taken from uh, the uh, pagans. It was actually a cult, Ikhwan, and the followers of a cult called the Ashira cult, who uh, were individuals who were fought against uh, on the basis of their belief by the, by, by the or during the, uh, the Ro Romans, the, the Roman Empire, and in among the Roman Empire, because they worshipped trees. And they were pagans, again, who they attempted to called them to Christianity. They wouldn't leave their worship of trees. And so they said, you can incorporate, because they had one day when they would worship, which is a specific day of set of festivities and specific day of celebration, where they would worship the tree. And so within the Roman Empire, they allowed them to become Christian. And they said, or they came to an agreement with them, because the Christian Empire was harsh and brutal in many ways in propagating Christianity. So they allowed them to become Christians and they allowed them to bring their tree and the, and the celebration of the tree into Christianity. But they said instead of having it uh, on the day that you ordinarily celebrate it, bring it and celebrate it on the 25th. Just as your friends and companions 
who, who worship or who celebrate Saturnalia, yani they celebrate on the 25th, bring that tree worship into uh, and on uh, during the same time, and we can make it one big festival of celebration, and you can incorporate your tree worship into that. And they allowed them that. And thus, Ikhwan, we have the incorporation of the Christmas tree uh, into uh, Christian celebration. And in fact, Ikhwan, in the Bible itself, those who decorate Christmas trees and worship them are dispraised and cursed in the Bible. There are, there are verses within the Bible that dispraise those who decorate trees and then worship those trees. That they cut them down, they decorate them, and they worship them. They're dispraised in the Bible. Yet still we see the exact same practice uh, being incorporated into uh, Christian practice. Similarly, uh, the affair of giving gifts during uh, the festival. Again, Ikhwan, it has its origin uh, in uh, uh, pagan practice. It was There was uh, a female god in and among the pagan pagan you know, practice who was known for putting presents in a stocking to give to children, in a sock, and giving them to children. Again, Ikhwan, that paganistic belief was incorporated into the celebration of Christmas. What then about Santa Claus? <laughs> Santa Claus Ikhwan, also known as Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas actually Ikhwan was was Turkish. That he was uh, a, 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 an individual who was born in uh, an area in Turkey, <clears throat> approximately in the year 270 Christian Christian era. And he was involved, Ikhwan, in, he was one of those who were involved and was a participant in the Council of Nicaea. If anybody, if any of you have done any uh, looking into the Bible and, and what, how the Bible was changed and so on, you will know that in the year 325 Christian era, there was a council or a big shura meeting, if you like, uh, of uh, in and among Christendom where they brought individuals, all of the high priests within Christendom together. The Roman Empire, uh, the Roman Emperor Constantine, he was sick of the fighting that had taken place after the death, or after the ascent of Isa ibn Maryam. After the ascent of Isa ibn Maryam. What happened, Ikhwan, in and among Christendom, was that Christians split. After Isa ibn Maryam uh, had ascended, Christians split into three groups. There was a group who said that the, that who or the one who was with us was God himself. There was a second group who said that the one who was with us was the very son of God. And there was a third group who said, in fact, the one who was with us was a prophet of God. And they were known as the Yaqubiyah. They were known as the Yaqubiyah. The first two groups came together and fought against and killed the majority of the Yaqubiyah, those who held and maintained that it was not the Son of God, it was not God himself, but that it was a prophet of God. And so what happened very quickly after the ascent of Isa ibn Maryam, those who held that he was only a messenger, they were killed other than a few of them. But some of those beliefs, uh, yani the belief that he was God himself or the belief that he was a son of God or a messenger of God caused difference in and among Christendom and you had individuals who did not accept that he was a son of God. And those individuals, Ikhwan, would be crucified and they'd be burnt at the stake. Uh, and because of the fighting and the killing that took place in and among Christendom, uh, the Roman Empire emperor at that time decided that he is going to bring Christians together, high priests and people of importance among Christian them together. He was going to unite them under one roof. And then they were going to codify the Bible. That is, we're going to remove from the Bible that which is creating the problems. That which causes you to have the opinions that you have and that which causes you to have your position. We're going to remove it from the Bible and we're going to unite upon one book that is not the cause of differing and fighting among you. 
And so they removed the number of the books of the Bible, the Maccabees, they removed many of the books, the Apocryphas, many of the books were removed from the Bible, those books that they considered incongruent with the message of the Bible. And so when those books were removed, uh, the rest of Christendom were united upon this one book that as far as they were concerned had one message. And that occurred and took place in the year 325 Christian era, one of, uh, one of the main and the most active uh, uh, and the most superior of the people of Norwich who were present at that time uh, was this Nicholas from Turkey and he went on to, became, to become uh, a saint uh, uh, and, yeah, and he was given this, uh, this title of Saint Nicholas but that was very late in fact it wasn't, it wasn't until the 19th century that he was considered a saint in any case Saint Nicholas uh, was the one Ikhwan, who was considered uh, the uh, uh, or considered the the origin of Santa Claus. It should be known that Santa Claus and the term was something that was incorporated again into the whole affair of the celebration of Christmas. Uh, uh, by or the name Santa Claus being given to him was actually there was a Dutch individual, uh, and he was actually a Dutch. Uh, yeah, and he, a writer in a magazine and cartoonist and he used to draw cartoons uh, of uh, 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 St. Nicholas and he would call him Santa Claus which has which is Dutch in origin uh, in, at, the, at that time up until the 18th century he was considered or he was when he was drawn he wasn't actually considered jolly at all yeah, and he, he would be they would depict him as a short man bent over with a long white beard, short man who used to wear a large black cloak. There was no red cloak, Juan, as we see, and this nice rosy-cheeked man. Rather, it was an old man who was bent over, and he was known to be quite harsh. In fact, he was known to discipline children. And not only known to discipline children, but he was known to beat the living daylights out of children. He was known for that. And that is why when you hear in, in, in the uh, you know in, in, in the famous song, you better not pout, you better not cry. Uh, I'm telling you why. <laughs> why? Because Santa Claus is coming to town. Because if you were unruly, it was believed that Santa Claus will beat the living daylights out of you. And that was the, the, picture, the picture and the image that was given to Santa Claus at that time. So how then did Santa Claus become this happy picture and figure that we now see them uh, depicting him uh, or, or as? Believe it or not, Ikhwan, it was Coca-Cola. It was Coca-Cola in the early 19th century, uh, in, the, yeah, in the early 1900s. After they had, because it was by law, they had to remove Coca-Cola originally had cocaine within it. It actually had a small trace of cocaine within it, and that's what gave it the kick. <laughs> they replaced it with caffeine, it wasn't quite the same, and so their sales began to drop. And so they needed a marketing campaign that would bring them back into popularity and cause their sales to soar again. And so their marketing campaign revolved around Santa Claus and St. Nicholas. And so what they did was they did a, a series of cartoons depicting Santa Claus and St. Nicholas as a, as a cheerful fellow, as a happy fellow drinking, you guessed it, Coca-Cola. And that it was Coca-Cola instead of this old, decrepit, yeah, and a horrible man. That used to beat children, he is now a nice guy because he's drinking Coca-Cola. And so instead of the black cloak that he was ordinarily depicted in, they changed his black coke for, cloak for a Coca-Cola style red coat. And that was where the red garment came in and the happy, cheerful uh, Santa Claus uh, that uh, uh, we see. Similarly... As far as him yeah, and he being upon or having flying horses or what, what have you, 
uh, or reindeers and, and what, have, what have you, that similarly came from that god uh, that, or that pagan god that uh, was known for giving out gifts that uh, she was depicted as being an individual who used to fly in the sky on horses. And so they incorporated that into the whole image of Santa Claus, changed uh, his, uh, 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 changed the horses for reindeers, and thus, Ikhwan, we had the birth of, the San of Santa Claus as we know him. And that, Ikhwan, uh, is how Santa Claus and how he was incorporated into uh, the whole of the Christian yani, festivities and the celebration of Christmas. Uh, and when we analyze Ikhwan, when we look really then at some of the origins, there is yet much more that could be said. When we look at some of the origins, Ikhwan, of how Christianity, how Christmas and the celebration of Christmas came about, then we see, Ikhwan, that its origin revolved around Ikhwan not having a, a robust principle that relates to bid'ah. If Christians had a robust principle connected to innovations, related to innovations, that would disallow and would be a barrier against any innovative practices being incorporated into their religion, then it is possible that their religion would have remained a lot purer than it is today. But because of the fact that they considered and this is an issue, Ikhwan, that our scholars discuss to this very day. An issue of our methodology, our manhaj. That the wasailu da'wa, our scholars mention, that the wasailu da'wa at-tawqifiyya. That is, the methods and the means of giving da'wa do not return back, Ikhwan, to that which we believe would be beneficial. That which we believe will bring people in. But it returns back to text. Whatever was done by the Prophet and by the companions, then ayuhal ikhwa, that is what is considered da'wah, a means of da'wah. As far as us incorporating that which is not from our deen into the practices of, of or into our giving da'wah, then that ikhwan goes against our methodology and against our manhaj. And so singing songs, and calling them, giving them Islamic names, Islamic Nasheed, which is nothing, Ikhwan, but songs. But because of the fact that we mentioned Muhammad Sallallahu here and there, and Allah here and there, and Islam here and there, it now is somehow accepted and somehow given credence and considered Islamic songs. And that is nothing, Ikhwan, but bid'ah. It is nothing but bid'ah. In fact, Ikhwan, rap. And listening to, to R&B is less sinful than listening or listening to Bangara is less sinful than listening to Nasheeds. Less sinful. Both of them are sin in Tebi. Yeah, and it don't take from me that it's permissible to listen to Dr. Dre or any other rapper. Both of them are considered sins. But the sin of listening to regular music is less than the sin of listening to nasheeds. And the reason I mention that, Ikhwan, is so that we understand the, the nature or the station of the evil of listening, listening to nasheeds. Nasheed is bid'ah. Nasheed is bid'ah. While listening to music is thamb, is sin. Sin is more enormous than bid'ah. Sin is greater and more tremendous in evil than sin. Bid'ah is greater in evil than sin. Bid'ah is greater in evil than sin. Anashid a bid'ah. While listening to music is sin. And thus, Ikhwan, that is not to bring down the station of, of listening to music. Rather, it is to put the place or to put the station of listening to nasheeds in its correct and proper place. If you, have, if you understand that which is related to listening to music, then you'll know that a nasheed are worse. And so, Ikhwan, in Tebi, 
because uh, yani these affairs are of the essence. Similarly, Ikhwan, we see people using all types of practices when it comes to giving da'wah. Individuals using magic tricks. Magic, Ikhwan, subhanahu to give da'wah. As a wasila or as a wasail of da'wah. Magic, ayyuhal ikhwan, as you all know, and is not, there's no individual among us, I'm sure that will differ, will know that magic is kufr. Magic is kufr. And the magician, Ikhwan, in the Islamic state is killed because of his sharr. Now, some may argue and say we have magic that is sihr haqiqi, and then we have magic that is sihr takhili, sihr haqiqi, true full-blown magic, with incorporating jinn and what have you. And then we have sihr takhili, which is the sihr of the, that, يعني, be, be, يعني, the beguilement of the eyes. That the eyes are deceived into, believe, into seeing that which isn't actually there. Another form of magic. And then we have what is known as khiffat yad. Khiffat yad is sleight of hand. Trickery by way of sleight of hand. It is still likewise a major sin. Because of that which is in it from kathib and deception and يعني, from ghish uh, and from يعني, يعني, dis- deceit and what have you. None of them, ikhwan, are permissible as a means of da'wah. Not one of them. And that, ikhwan, is something that is ajib. That we should have individuals who believe that it is possible and permissible to use those methods. I'm going to go in as far as, as to say that individuals like uh, Chris Angel uh, and like this other guy, um, just Dynamo. 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 That... <laughs> That these guys, yeah, you know, there's the, what they're doing. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. Both of those individuals, Ikhwan, being from among the the evil doers, and using, yeah, you know, incorporating the usage of jinn in their magic. Not ayyuhal Ikhwan then is something that we should be aware of. The incorporation of means and methods into the da'wah that Allah and his messenger have not permitted. In the same way that we're speaking about Christmas and that which is crept into Christianity is the same thing, Ikhwan, and the same uh, issue that we should be aware of and afraid of may creep into our ranks, Ikhwan, if we allow and if we have a weak stance in relation to individuals incorporating things into our religion. Uh, and that, Ikhwan, is something that we should be fully aware of. There are certain things that have certain origins, that if we know of them, then we would stay away from them. The croissant, مثلاً. The croissant, يعني the, يعني, you know, the, the round pastry. The, the croissant. It was, you know, my friend, she would sound good. It? it was, it was, it the, the croissant in its origin, Ikhwan, was something that was made after the, uh, the Crusades. And after the, the, after the Kuffar had conquered the Muslims, they began to design and to make some pastry that was symbolic of our destructing the Islamic Ummah. Our destroying the Islamic Ummah and our destruction of the Islamic Ummah. And so they made the croissant, which is a pastry in the shape of the crescent, which is actually in French what it, what it re- represents. The crescent. And it's representative of the Muslimun. And so after the Crusades, they used to uh, make those croissants and they would eat them. Now, يعني, if one knows of its origin, one may not be as as hasty or as quick to eat it. If one knows that its origin returns back to that which is against our ummah and against the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then ikhwan, one may not, just as our knowledge of Christianity, we may not be as easygoing uh, with Christianity, uh, one with Christmas, as uh, we would be uh, if uh, we had no knowledge of the origins of Christmas. But if we understand, Ikhwan, that Christmas returns back to shirk and back to the practices of the mushrikun and back to, Ikhwan, uh, practices that not only 
uh, do they return back to the shirk, ikhwan. But even if we were just to say that Christmas is nothing but the celebration of uh, yani the birth of Isa ibn Maryam, it is for Christians the celebration of the birth of the Son of God. The celebration of the birth of Allah's Son. And so, Ikhwan, on that basis, uh, uh, Sheikh bin Uthaymeen and others have mentioned that it is kufr to say Happy Christmas to the one who says Merry Christmas to you. Kufr. Because in essence you're saying, may you have a merry celebration of the Son of God or of the birth of the Son of Allah. And so Sheikh bin Uthaymeen mentioned to say in response to saying, to someone saying, Merry Christmas, to say, and a Merry Christmas to you too, is considered kufr if one understands what it is one is saying. And so, Ikhwan, uh, while we reflect upon uh, the origins of Christianity of Christmas, we should likewise reflect, Ikhwan, upon the fadl and the virtue and the uh, station of the methodology of the Salaf of this Ummah. That methodology, Ikhwan, that uh, in, in, in regards to its usul and its qawaid and its principles has protected the deen of Allah and prevented any of this type of foolishness creeping in. And even if it does creep in, then we have in and among the Ummah from the companions and the Ashab Sunan, those who repel it and are quick to hasten to refute it and to repel it, Ikhwan, and to hide it to the Ummah, it's evil. And thus, Ikhwan, you'll hear people saying oftentimes when, يعني, because the Salafis are those who constantly refute and constantly refute and constantly refute, and you hear people saying, SubhanAllah, these, these brothers always banging on about the refutation of this and the refutation of that. You should understand, Ikhwan, that Allah Azza wa Jal had mentioned, وَلَوْلَا دَفْعُ اللَّهِ النَّاسِ بَعْضَهُمْ that if it were not for Allah causing some people to repel others, then the earth would have become corrupt. It is better, Ikhwan, that the, the perimeters are defended and are guarded and those small bid'ah are not allowed in. And it is those small bid'ah, Ikhwan, that uh, are from the affairs that lead to the greater bid'ah, to the bigger bid'ah. And thus, you'll find our ulama sometimes having a stronger stance against that which is considered a small innovation because of the fact that it has, they know, that it has more chance of creeping into this ummah than the big innovation. Individual walks in here, Ikhwan, with a big green turban and with some thicker beads, and sits down and turns around to the congregation. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Brothers, I just want to speak to you about some very important matters related to the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal. Which one are you, new or old? You could have been practicing a week ago. Which one of you is going to sit down, Ikhwan, and continue to listen to a muhavara when it is clear that the individual is sahib bid'ah, just from his apparel? And if you give him five minutes to speak, then you'll know clearly, Ikhwan, and you'll hear the direction that he's going with his bid'ah and with his da'wah. But if an individual were to walk in and had come from, mathalan, Mecca, with a gutra, bisht, cloak, he walks in with the entourage of a few individuals, turns round to the jama'ah, and then he's introduced by one of the trustworthy brothers. That Ikhwan, even though he doesn't know him. Uh, Ikhwan, alhamdulillah, today uh, we have Sheikh Umar al-Makki, uh, who is from the Mashaykh of Makkah, uh, and who is going to address us concerning some of the important issues related to differing and to different, differing of opinion in, in and among the ummah. Uh, and if the brothers are able to stay, then, yeah, and he, we encourage you to remain and stay and listen to the lecture and benefit from the lecture. Which of the two Ikhwan are we more likely to sit and to listen to and to attempt to get some benefit from? 
No doubt the second individual. Because he has all the ingredients of khair, as far as we're concerned. The ingredients of good. Uh, but, but he may be worse in terms of what he's about to in, inform you of than the first individual. Maybe the first ikhwan would have made mention of some of the affairs related to dhikr uh, and yani, there'll be a weak hadith here, weak hadith there. Still mubtadi'ah. But that which he informed you of is probably going to be less dangerous than that which the second is going to inform you of. But because of his apparel, because of that which is known of him, because of uh, that which uh, yani, is apparent from his state, then you're going to trust him and you're going to take his bid'ah on board. And thus the scholars of this ummah, ikhwan al-salaf of this ummah, as Imam al-Barbahari rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned in Sharh al-Sunnah, that one should be aware of the sigar al-muhdathati min al-umur. You need to be aware of the minor innovations from among the affairs because no bid'ah began in this ummah except that it began small, resembling the haqq. And because of the fact that it was small and resembled the haqq, people were taken in by it. And thus it began to, then it began to grow. And it became the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, the deen of Allah that they practiced and they worshipped Allah Azza wa Jal by way of. And so, and thus they entered, or they exited Islam. And so, Ikhwan, when our scholars speak about certain individuals, and those individuals may be people who once upon a time were upon the sunnah and were individuals who were praiseworthy and people used to speak of them, and scholars of the sunnah and what have you, when they oppose the deen of Allah, when they oppose the usul, and they oppose the deen, in some issue that may be minute, that most of the Muslims will not be able to detect, but they oppose the deen of Allah, the scholars understand, ikhwan, and know that that individual is far more dangerous to the people of Sunnah and to the Muslims than the one who is an apparent mubtadiyah. And comes in here speaking about speaking ill of Abu Bakr and Umar and speaking clear bid'ah. The one whose bid'ah is obscure, difficult to detect. It is that individual Ikhwan who is more dangerous to the people of Sunnah and to the Muslims generally. And thus you'll find Ikhwan, the scholars will hasten to make his affair clear to the believers. But from among the believers are those who will say, Subhanallah, you know, these people don't leave anybody. Him as well. Him as well. But if we understand the statement of the Messenger that they will not cease to be a nation or a group from among my Ummah manifest upon the truth. They will not be harmed by those who forsake them or oppose them. As far as individuals opposing them, then no doubt when the messenger informed us of the fact that there will be 73 groups among this Ummah, 73 sects, then we know there are going to be individuals who oppose the people of Sunnah. But those who forsake them, individuals, Ikhwan, who were once with them and then forsake, yani, took to forsaking them. And those individuals, Ikhwan, the Messenger of Salaam made mention of. So we have a mention of those who oppose them. And those who oppose them may, may possibly never have been from them or with them. But those who forsake them, we know then on the basis of that statement that there are going to be people who are Salafi. And then turn their backs upon Salafiya and turn their backs upon the people of, of the Sunnah and become Ikhwan or begin following a path other than the path of the sunnah. Some of you may be able to detect them and may be able to detect that opposition while yet others, those who are not students of knowledge or do not have the tools, ikhwan, of discernment may not be able to detect that ikhwan and as far as they are concerned then, yani, brother yani, he, 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 what he says makes sense and thus, ikhwan, our scholars hasten to make the affair clear and on the basis of those defenders, Ikhwan, we find that the Sunnah is, is preserved, 
we find ikhwan, that the uh, sciences of hadith have on its basis preserved and caused the sunnah ikhwan, to be protected and we find the usul of our deen bihamdillah, the fundamentals we now ikhwan, have and continue to have sources whereby we are able to return back to, the, to our fundamental study, learn and understand them we're able to return back to the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah and hear and read exactly what the Messenger of Allah said, word for word, as he said it. We're able to return back to accurate descriptions of our Messenger, read them ikhwan, and, 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 uh, and study them as though one sees him. We're able to return back to the salah, the ibadah, the worship in all of its forms and understand exactly what our Messenger left for us, bihamdillah. And the people of the book, Ikhwan, are not able to do that. The people of the book, as some of the earlier scholars of hadith mentioned, they have nothing but mursalat, wa mu'dalat, wa munqati'at. The mu'dal, the mursal, and the munqati' are forms of broken chains. The mursal is a hadith that has a broken link between the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa and the one who has been mentioned uh, beside the messenger. The mu'dal is that chain that has a break in two or, yani, or two consecutive links removed from its chain in some place. And that, ikhwan, is the, math, uh, the method and the manner in which the people of the book have their narrations and have that which they have concerning Isa ibn Maryam. Which is why it is easy, ikhwan, to incorporate a little something into Christianity here. A celebration there, a statement here, a belief there, because there are no principles by way of which they defend and preserve the sunnah of the messenger that came to them. But Allah Azza wa Jal has blessed this ummah with qawaid, with principles, if we observe them, and this is the important issue, if we observe them, and observing them, ikhwan, necessitates putting them into practice. Not, that, not just that we pay lip service. But when it actually comes to the crunch, we don't have the heart to put those principles into practice. Rather, ikhwan, this deen has always been defended by rijal, by men. People who didn't play with their deen, ikhwan, and didn't allow anything to creep in. And not ikhwan for any reason other than the fact that they learned as uh, Ibn Mas'ud and others have mentioned As-Sa'idu man wu'idha bi-ghayri The one who is in bliss <coughs> and is in happiness and success is the one that takes lesson from other than himself. When we look then at and when we speak about Christmas let us take lesson from that which occurred with them and among them and understand that we have a sunnah ikhwan that is pristine and preserved and that we have a methodology that has been defended and protected and let us strive to be from among its protectors and those who defend it ikhwan and its cause wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina muhammad wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam